0: It had to be done. Otherwise I would have hated myself, hated the business and nothing would have worked. I was really shocked at the reception of the purple Gaia dress the night I wore it and posted a picture and it was so loved. I knew that
1: I was onto something. Between 2019 and 2020, your revenue grew by 535%. <laughs> How did that
0: happen? So i knew that if i was always trying to live up to that print i was always going to fall short of that some fast fashion brands were bringing out items that we hadn't even launched yet colors of gaia
1: that we hadn't even launched yet that i had just teased on my stories recently you publicly took a break from business as a company
0: i was just having a really really difficult time mentally i couldn't be the leader that i need to be i literally just started crying in the middle of the room because I couldn't think of anything worse.
1: Hey guys, and welcome back to Working Hard, Hardly Working. I feel like it's going to become a bit of a situation because every single episode that I record with someone who I'm like very obsessed with within the space is going to become one of those ones where I just say it's my favorite episode ever. And I don't think I can say every episode is my favorite episode ever. So we might have a problem with this and you might just have to overlook the fact that I say that every episode is my favorite one ever. But this is a great one. I promise you. It's really, really good. And I think why it's so great is because it's so honest, but it's also so inspiring. Like I finished this conversation. I wanted to get up and build my company and just make it happen for a lot of people who don't necessarily know what they want to do or for people who know that they want to build a brand or know they want to be a designer or be a creative or any of those things I think this is inspiring regardless of that kind of route that you're taking thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoy the episode and let's get on with it Fisayo Longe is the founder and CEO of Kai Collective, the womenswear brand of attainable clothing with luxury aesthetics, intentionally crafted to make women feel their most confident. The concept for Kai was conceived while Fisayo was working as an auditor at KPMG, a time when her fashion and travel blog, Mirror Me, simultaneously gained popularity and began to attract large brand partnerships. Realizing that auditing was not fulfilling her creative potential, Fisayo exchanged her traditional career for fashion entrepreneurship, quitting her job to focus on Kai full time. As for Kai, the rest is history. Its main asset, the famous Gaia print, which went viral in 2020, sold out immediately and infiltrated the wardrobe of several A-lister celebrities. Visayo has been personally recognized for her success as an honoree on the art and culture Forbes 30 under 30 list, 2021, Fisayo finds being an entrepreneur exhilarating, our conversation confirmed that she also appreciates the daily pressures and strains of being a founder and has learned to ride the wave of excitement instead. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. For people who aren't familiar with your career and your journey, could you just give us a whistle-stop tour of how you got to where you are now? Okay, so
0: when I was in secondary school, I wanted to study law at university. I ended up missing my offer to study law at Warwick by a grade. And then I you know, went through clearing. I didn't want to go to the uni. I got through clearing, but my mom was like, you cannot take a gap year. I really wanted a gap year. I just wanted to mm-hmm. work at Topshop and go traveling. And my mom was like, you can't take a gap year unless you get a real job. I'm Nigerian. So a real job to my mom at that time. A lot has changed since then. Meant like being an accountant or a lawyer, something like that. So I was like, fine, I'll get a real job. I went on the internet, found a job at KPMG. They didn't have any in London, but they had one in Plymouth. It was a gap year internship. Mm -hmm. Moved to Plymouth. This all happened in like a few days. I then got into the LSE, which I always wanted to go to for law and anthropology, but ended up not doing that stayed at kpmg they sent me to uni at durham like in the summer and i worked at kpmg full-time ended up leaving kpmg just because i loved the company and i loved the experience i got but i really was just there because i had fallen in love with my independence and making my own money and not having to rely on my parents for money but it wasn't for me i also wasn't very good at it if i'm being very honest went to durham full-time got kicked out of durham then, what did I do? Started Kai. <laughs> I'll talk about it when I write okay. a book. <laughs> okay, great. The excuse that yeah. you're going to have to buy your book. Before I started Kai, I worked as a merchandising assistant at Liberty just for some fashion industry experience. And then I started Kai. And then I went back to uni, but I went to UCL to study anthropology. And yeah, graduated last year or had my ceremony this year, but graduated last year. And that is it as quick as I could. That was so good. That was so quick
1: and so concise. Thank you. You mentioned in there that your mother had a very traditional view of kind of what success to her would look like for you. What role does that play now in like your idea of success and what role did it play at the time? My
0: idea of success has always been very varied. I never really considered myself a creative person, Mm -hmm. which is very ironic. So I thought that I would, at first I was like, I'm going to be an accountant because both my parents were accountants. But then I realized that I preferred law. I just prefer the arts. But I would say what I got from my mom's view of success is just work ethic. My mom has always worked crazy hard so I was raised with like an incredible work ethic and that's the main thing I got but in terms of how I view success I think that's always been very varied
1: but I can kind of imagine that this put a lot of pressure on you to do well when you had this idea that I need to go down this traditional route I need to do this and this is what my mom kind of wants from me and I also read that you only felt qualified to do what you do when you were listed in Forbes 30 under 30, which to me is absolutely insane because when I look at Kai and I look at your clothes and I look at your branding and I look at every single campaign, to me you are like the epitome of a creative and the epitome of someone who literally sets trends. How on earth (laughs) Did this kind of view of success of like this is what makes you qualified. How how did that come about? Where was that kind of pressure from? I mean, hearing you say that is just such
0: a compliment and is music to my ears and is just incredible because even till now I still have like terrible imposter syndrome. It gets better all the time. So things like Forbes and all these achievements that shouldn't mean anything make it better, honestly, and reduce the imposter syndrome. I guess that's how confidence grows when it's validated, Mm -hmm. even though it shouldn't be. I think it's because I never saw myself as a creative person growing up. I've never been good at drawing, right? So even like my sketches are really bad. I need to sketch and then give someone else to sketch it again. So I guess because of that, I just never really saw myself as creative. I also thought that to be really good at something, I had to, you know, study it in school and I didn't study fashion. So I don't know I'm evolving and every day I'm realizing oh my god I'm really good at
1: this but it's taken a while to get here and I still have imposter syndrome. Do you have imposter syndrome? Well I really try not to have imposter syndrome because I also think I've read some really interesting stuff on the fact that I think a lot of the time women think and are told they have imposter syndrome but it's almost like of course we have imposter syndrome because we're not represented in this space so of course mm. I think x y and z because when I look at someone who does epitomize that it's so far from what I see myself as so I really try not to and I try and which is so so <laughs> stupid because like you don't get to decide it but I try and consciously say like do I have imposter syndrome or am I just not quite good enough at this thing yet? Because I'm here for a reason and I got here for a reason and I know the work I put in every day and I don't need that to be, well, I do need that to be validated elsewhere, but you know, in yeah. I kind of technically don't need it to be. So try and work back from that and I'm um, like, do I have self-doubt because I actually need to work on this as a skill or do I have imposter syndrome because... You know, I haven't given myself the confidence yet or any of these things. So I really try and like... I love that. Because I think especially, I mean, the article that I read that was, it was in the Harvard Business Review and it was saying essentially stop telling women they have imposter syndrome, start making workplaces better for women. Mm-hmm. And it was written by two black women who said, particularly for black women who are going to be in a space where it's essentially saying like, oh, do you have imposter syndrome? It's like, no, I just look around I'm <laughs> literally like, no... everyone looks yeah. the same. I love that because
0: one thing that has made it better for me is realizing that nobody knows what they're doing. So mm-hmm. the longer you spend meeting experts in different industry, as doors begin to open and you meet all these amazing people, you learn that everyone is just blagging it. So that's made it a lot better. And the other thing that's made it a lot better is that sometimes, as you said, you're just not good enough in certain areas of your job. And so for me, increasing my confidence looks like getting business coaching, which I'm looking for now, mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. So yeah, sometimes it's just self-doubt,
1: which the only way to tackle that is to become better and like educate yourself and stuff yeah no i think that's really really interesting and going back to kind of the start of kai so you decide to leave your job at liberty was that right and start kai how did that initial process look was it that you kind of had an idea made some clothes and got them out there what was that initial thing from idea to actual business yeah so my job at
0: liberty was a temp position and then after they offered me a full-time position but i had Realized by that time that I didn't want to do fashion in another company. I wanted to do it for myself. I didn't think I would start Kai so soon after, but, um, yeah, I just knew that I wasn't going back to that. I still take because I've been fashion blogging since 2012. I would travel and fabric shop. I love fabric shopping. I love seeing it, feeling it. That is what inspires me. So COVID was really difficult for me because I couldn't go and see the fabric. I'm very like tactile. That is where my inspiration begins the colors, the textures. And um, so when I would buy fabric, I would make clothes with the fabric, wear them, and then people would always ask me where I got the clothes from. And so that was when I realized, okay, I can actually like, Make these clothes and sell them. I've always been very entrepreneurial since I like, I was young. I used to be an eBay queen selling everything <laughs> on eBay. All my friends used to give me all their things to sell on eBay. I used to take a commission. So yeah, that was what inspired it.
1: And how did you start to kind of build a team from the beginning or were you no. just making clothes yourself or outsourcing them to suppliers and selling them like that?
0: Um, so for myself, I was just making clothes with like tailors. But then when I wanted to stock high I just went to Turkey with my mom. I really wanted to go to Cappadocia. I just wanted to travel and I thought, "Oh, I'm going to tell my mom like let's do let's go look for manufacturers <laughs> She's and <so> like, savvy. <laughs> make it make it work related so that she would pay for it." But um we went to Turkey, found amazing fabric found manufacturers but not very good i didn't realize that that's not how you find manufacturers like you don't just rock up in the country nobody knows where the manufacturers are at the time i thought i would just go to turkey and people would be like oh yeah there's one there and that didn't really happen but yeah i found manufacturers but still it was just me for ages working on kai i've had like interns over the years but until i think my first full-time member of staff was 2020
1: okay and so how, I'm I'm interested, how did your mum go from thinking you needed, you kind of needed to be in this traditional role to coming with you to kind of find suppliers and... and... I think my mum has, my mom trusts me, even though she didn't
0: want me to leave KPMG, but I've always been very, like, serious, like a serious kid, so... I say, okay, this is what I want to do, but I'm going to show you who does it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm showing my mom all these people on the internet, like Kiyara Ferrani, Ruminini, like they've turned fashion blogging into this. This is where I could take it. So I'm like, slowly she's beginning to see the vision. Do you know what I mean? And there was no harm for her in coming to Turkey. Like we were going on holiday, mm-hmm. but then, you know, looking for fabric, seeing manufacturers. She's also creative. So she was never against it. I don't have like a super strict traditional mom. I just have a mom who wants me to make money really Mm. (laughs) and so for her it's always about seeing how it could be a career but she's never been against it um like creativity or expressing your creativity
1: and with your fashion blogging at the time what type of size was that was it kind of supporting your income very very marginally i feel like as an influencer
0: i've i've never i think you were at the stage where i saw um your post the other day about taking a pay cut to do uh, no i never got to that stage as an influencer where it was like so amazing and i could live off it fully mm. it's been good but never as
1: much as i needed for my lifestyle do you know what i mean prior to the launch of kai you had high hopes and had been looking at houses to buy from what I read. I know you kind of said that you had a real shock when things didn't take off. I was
0: on right move looking for the house I was gonna be able to uh, buy in cash the next day (laughs) which didn't even make any sense because it's not like we launched that amount of product but I just had this super unrealistic view. I thought that we were going to launch sell out immediately, and I was going to restock immediately, and that was going to be the journey. I just thought because I had like 40-something thousand followers, at least 20,000 would buy it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was genuinely my rationale. Or at least yeah. 10, or like on a bad day, five.
1: <laughs> but this is the thing. I think this is really interesting because I remember, um, so I actually started selling Products well before I started working with brands which is quite weird because I think people think of it the other way around so I sold my first product in 2015 so in the first the same,
0: year yeah you launched
1: yeah just just like ebooks so there was oh, no wow. marginal cost in me in me yeah. um creating them no I mean I paid a friend 50 pounds to do like the graphic design mock-up of the ebook and it was literally just me monetizing the like recipes I was posting online so that's all it was oh, wow. and I sold them for five pounds and I remember at the time I probably had I probably had around the same like Maybe like thirty thousand followers. I remember I was like, God, no one wants even. It. It's like great, here's ten people. But I mean, what was it? You know, what was it was a good old fifty pounds. which I was like, Go you, paid, on then. you paid off your friend. Yeah, exactly. But but that's the really interesting thing because I think we think when we look at people with like hundreds of thousands of followers, you don't realise that actually like a good conversion rate is like one percent in some like places is a a good conversion rate from working on both the brand side and the influencer side like I've always been very like excited about my conversion rate because I know I can sell things for brands I know I can sell things you know from our own stuff but it's so like warped what you actually expect and I remember I've I've kind of thought before I've been like well if I sold um even now if I was looking the other day to potentially create planners because I'm so picky about the planners that I use and then I was I said online I was like I'm just going to create my own like I'm just going to make one online for myself like just do a design one and then people were like oh you could you could sell it and even then I'm only thinking like a few thousand max Mm -hmm. and that's I mean that's a hell of a lot of stock as well if you actually think about that from a clothing brand point of view but it's so funny that actually like from the outside you don't necessarily know what those good conversion rates would be but I love How honest you are about that and everything. Because I think that we often get this view that success is especially like when you have a platform or when you start a business and it's like a really good idea. That doesn't mean that it's going to take off immediately in the slightest
0: entrepreneurship has humbled me a lot but in some ways i'm grateful for that like i started way up here my confidence was incredible i've always been a really confident child and so i just went into it thinking that i didn't think it could be anything but amazing like which now i'm grateful for because now i would have you know i would have gone in with all this self-doubt And there I just went in thinking, I'm amazing, this is gonna be great. But it was really difficult for my mental health when it wasn't what I expected.
1: And how did you get through those years? I know that it kind of really started taking off in 2019, but before we come to that, how did you get through those years where it just wasn't taking off as much? I was really down, yeah, yeah. It was the first
0: time I ever dealt with depression and anxiety. It was very, very difficult. I've always been an achiever. The first time I ever failed was when I um, didn't get, you know, missed a grade to go and study law at university. Like all th- growing up, I was a great kid at school. So failure was really new to me. I did not handle it properly because I wasn't ready for it and when people ask me what I would go back and change that's the only thing I would go back and change I would just have been better mentally prepared I don't Mm. know maybe read some books about the reality I don't know but I was not prepared it was really really difficult terrible anxiety Terrible depression like my anxiety manifested even physically my tongue used to burn all the time and that was anxiety Yeah, it was like things like that the smart thing to do when starting a business or the reason a lot of people start a business Is to solve a problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like you realize there's a problem in the industry But I just started because I was making clothes that people were asking to buy I then had to work backwards and think okay, what is Kai's place in the market? What problem does Kai solve? And um, so that's when I started to realize, okay, everything is very, very minimalist at mm-hmm. the moment. There's not a lot of print. There aren't a lot of brands that are, you know, starting the trends. I wasn't even like, I didn't want to be trend led. I just wanted to make beautiful clothing um, that was attainable, very unique. You know, I told you I sourced the fabric. Aesthetically was luxurious at a price that was attainable. And then that's when I realized, okay, this is what Kai is going to be. And you know, to do this, we have to create
1: incredible print that no one has ever seen. And then so yeah, I was working backwards. That's so interesting. So once you found the, I guess, like the why and the conceptual place behind the business, that's when it really started to take off. Yes, yes. That's so interesting. And I also think that when you say that with the Everything used to be very minimalist. If you look at the past two years, the whole fashion industry is now about brights. It's about big prints. It's about all of these things. I genuinely think, and I don't know if you'll take this credit, but I genuinely think the Gaia print had a huge part to play in people turning from neutrals to brights because as soon, that started being put everywhere and actually people switched from being very neutral, very muted colors, vintagey wash, which people still love now and is the basis of a lot of things, but to actual like high fashion looks, essentially looking like these big, bright, bold colors. I absolutely agree. I mean,
0: there are brands like Pucci, Mm Emilio Pucci that have been here for years that have always been about their print, but they just were not very trendy at the time. Like everything was so muted. And I remember I was really shocked at the reception of the purple um, Gaia dress, the first one. I thought it was gorgeous. The day I wore it, I just felt incredible. But the way people loved it, I was very surprised. But then the night I wore it and posted a picture and it was so loved, I knew that I was onto something. And then I decided to do a second colorway, the orange. The night before I released this color, I was like, why did i bother doing this should just have stuck with the purple now i have all all these dresses i'm not going to be able to sell i called my friend i was like i'm looking at these dresses and i don't even like it anymore it's so chaotic i <laughs> thought i liked it but it's just giving me chaos and of course launch day came and we sold out and it was incredible but honestly instagram was muted, minimalistic, white, black, gray. Everyone's feed was the same.
1: But I think you managed to bridge that gap as well because because you were creating it at a price point that was more accessible. You, and, and putting it then in a place where essentially only really high fashion was bright then. If, if, you know, fast fashion was doing brights, it wasn't looking good. And so that's why people were going for those muted colors. And then if you're creating something that's in that middle point, you're kind of able to create A place where actually, fine, if you follow all these high fashion bloggers, you're probably going to see a lot of those brides. But actually, people were able to access something that looked really high fashion and really unique, which is exactly what, you know, all of these fast fashion brands are kind of now trying to replicate in the way they're trying to replicate the look of independent designers, which is something we'll come on to. But Kai's first year of success then was... Am I right in thinking it was 2019? 2019 was a big improvement on what
0: it was before, on before 2019. Mm-hmm. But it still wasn't enough for me to live off of and um, for the brand to support itself without needing any like loans or any money from me, from you know my influencing. 2020 was the first year where everything really started to come together and make sense. I would say what changed from 2018 to 2019 was just me realizing how important community was. Okay. So I've always had an audience because I was an influencer. Don't love that word, but that's what we call it. But I didn't have community. And the way that I build community is just by being open and vulnerable. But I thought being open and vulnerable would make it seem like I didn't know what I was doing or make it obvious that I didn't know what I was doing because at many points I didn't know what I was doing. But 2019 <laughs> was the first time I asked, what do you guys think about the website? Um, is it working for you? And I got a lot of feedback. A lot of it was negative and it was like, this website doesn't work. I don't like this. It's not functional. And after asking that, I could then work on that and say to people, Oh, we've changed this on the website for you or what do you think about this product should we manufacture it in pink or in gray and that was the first time i actually started to take on feedback
1: so i think that was what changed between 2018 and 2019 community what you said there about the difference between audience and community is so 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 important and i think that from a brand perspective anyone who's starting up a brand that is consumer facing ask your customers as much as you physically can because it used to cost so much to get customer research and now no matter how many followers you have you can put up a poll on Instagram story and if someone swipes past it even if they don't care about your brand they'll probably interact with it and actually getting people involved in your journey is so 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 important I mean it's I I constantly have this battle of kind of thinking well I don't want to post this because then maybe people will think I don't know what I'm doing and my investors follow me and like all of this but actually it's a normal part of the journey. Like mm. it is exactly how the journey is made. And so actually being able to be open and vulnerable and creating this more realistic view of entrepreneurship or whatever you're doing is so important. And so I have the statistics here that between 2019 and 2020, your revenue grew by 535%. How
0: did that happen? It just did. <laughs> uh, like it just did. Um, I posted uh the guy address in end of january at the end of january 2020 i think and but then we didn't get it when we weren't get it because of covid but during that time I had people messaging me every day trying to get the dress. And I was not going to launch a dress because I was going to be respectful and wait for the pandemic to be over. Oh, yes. I didn't want to be, you know, launching a dress during the pandemic while people were suffering. I was going to wait it out. And people were like, girl, we're we waiting for the dress. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then that made me realize that, okay, there is a lot of demand.
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: So I'm going to order more than I've ever ordered before. So we had stock and then we also had stock that hadn't sold from the previous years when people weren't really checking for us like that.
1: And yeah, it just blew up. So you what the guy addressed to a BAFTA party, is that yes, right? And that's correct. where you posted it. Yeah. Um, do you remember the feeling of kind of when you then launched it and it just sold out immediately? Like what was that like? Yeah, I'll never forget. You never forget that. Like after years of feeling
0: like a failure and like I this thing was never going to do what I thought it was going to do like I started so confident like I don't even think you can imagine how confident I started (laughs) I am a fear oh I was a fearless child so I started with that mindset and then to like have this you know reality awakening and then you know for that to then start to climb back up again I was just elated it was the best feeling ever to launch something that people really wanted, that was selling out? Wow, that that was like so strange.
1: And how did you evolve from that and then, you know, one particular print that was doing amazingly well? I know you grew that out from just the dress, which I think was incredibly smart. Were you ever worried that you wouldn't be able to kind of evolve with that and that it would end up being kind of one trend piece? And how did you get past that? Um, Absolutely. I feel like that is something that
0: I still deal with up to an extent. No, in, I think it's in the last like three months that I've realized that, okay, Kai is here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was thinking, okay, is this, I kept, it was a thought that never left my mind. Like, I do not want this brand to be a one hit wonder. Said it to everyone. I said, said it to all my friends. I said it to my boyfriend. I said, like, I'm always like, what else could we do? I knew that. It wasn't very smart to compete with the Gaia prints. Like it takes those types of gems in a business are like once. I don't know. In, in, and yeah, I don't know how many years they come by, but you don't come by them often. And so I knew that if I was always trying to live up to that print, I wasn't, I was always going to fall short of that. So for me, it was about not comparing anything new to Gaia, but building Kai up to be a brand that generally has unique prints. So in the same year we launched Gaia, we also launched a print called the Inro print, mm-hmm. which did really, really well for us. And so I decided to put a lot of energy into storytelling about Inru just as I was about Gaia. Gaia was always gonna overshadow everything, but from a brand point of view, it was still continuing to shout about all these other, you know, amazing prints that we were doing. And yeah, so for me, it was just about continuing to innovate and think about new ways and to keep the brand fresh new silhouettes, new prints to bring into the brand and not always mentally feel like a failure if it didn't do what Gaia did. But I knew that I didn't want to make my brand just that Gaia brand. So it was like, what else are we going to do? How else are we going to position it to keep momentum going which is actually really really difficult but yeah we're
1: still here (laughs) no and you're doing fantastically and i think that anyone who's looking in from the outside has been able to see what an evolution and what not a like one hit wonder the brand is and i think that what you've said there about actually accepting that this was something amazing and is going to take years and years to beat in terms of like just when you when you hit on something that happens to set a whole trend and everyone loves it that doesn't happen all the time it can't happen all the time like that's it's literally not how the industry works but actually switching that mindset and saying like okay great this has made us a lot of cash and can make us some more cash you know you could have that in your continuity range and it would make a huge amount whether that's what you want to do as a whole is a whole different story but people being able to be brought in by that print and also being able to then see the authenticity of your brand in terms of your creativity and creating more prints and more beautiful moments is so valuable and also not something that should be like oh <laughs> well that was that's fucking annoying that this keeps being the thing people come back to like that is it's a huge testament to your creativity and it's a huge testament to you as a business owner as well being able to know when to switch off the instant gratification of getting something all from this one thing that you know does really well and switch instead to being able to get that delayed gratification and long-term brand because I would say that even within especially over the pandemic a lot of brands blew up ended up getting valued at over a billion like did insanely well and did not evolve quick enough and I think one of the biggest reasons for that is that they satiated their demand like Mm -hmm. they were so obsessed with getting the cash from that particular product that they did not evolve quickly enough which meant that the demand was actually satiated and people didn't start coming back and saying like oh what have you got next because they weren't waiting for the next thing because they'd already got their hands on what they wanted and I think you've done that fantastically well and a lot of people in the industry who are enormous brands haven't
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I, uh, not a lot of it has also been like subconscious and not an intentional strategy because Mm -hmm. I also love the idea of like always in limited quantities. I I just love that. Like it's an independent brand. I just love that. I just think there's something so beautiful about that. So, you the you couldn't buy the orange guy address anymore. You couldn't buy the proper <laughs> You couldn't buy the proper guy dress anymore. And I was looking at our, at our analytics the other day and I was like, should I bring these dresses back? Because the pages still get the most hits. So am I might being like ignorant by you know not wanting to bring this dress back. But for me there was just something so beautiful about that moment that, you know, I'm like, you know what, maybe in a year I'll be yeah. like, okay, you guys, we're back, have this for now. Like, let's look at all the other parts of yeah. the brand that we want to explore and put energy into rather than trying
1: to always live off of this one great mm. moment. What about bringing it back for the Kai birthday and doing a 24-hour pre-order where people can only order it in that time so you can get the maximum buys that you possibly could, but you hype up the initial like you hype up the date that's starting 24 hours only it's not coming back that is a great
0: idea spoken
1: You'd like make a so true, much
0: <laughs> spoken like a true entrepreneur <laughs> i love that no that is a great idea and but yeah what if it wasn't you know what if it was a birthday in three years yeah. or what if it no was exactly
1: our birthday but it's that you heritage know? and it also yeah. rewards that loyalty of understanding where the brand came from and when you reward that loyalty you also you kind of enhance it and you you nurture it from the people who want to be part of the brand story. They're there since Gaia. They're not, if you just kept saturating that demand and kept just being like, yeah, sure, have more Gaia. And for those people who believe in your creativity and Kai's creativity as a whole, who want to see that move on, I think that's what's so fantastic about it. Cause you're like, here's some more. It doesn't need to just be about this thing that you loved ages ago, which I think you've done so well. I also think that kind of within the fashion industry, it is an industry that hugely favors big corporations and often ones that don't necessarily have amazing morals both in terms of their kind of production their sustainability but also the way they do designs so we won't you know we won't talk specifically about you know cases but I would say that you've garnered a lot of respect within the industry which also comes with replication And I think you've been so great at essentially enabling that to be kind of like part of what you do and it's always gonna happen, move on. We're always going to be so unique that you can't keep up with us anyway. However, I can imagine there's also quite like a a mental impact on spending so much time and energy being a creative and coming up with concepts that aren't on, on WDSN which for people who don't know is essentially like a trend prediction service which the whole fashion industry uses but instead you're creating timeless pieces that aren't about trends they're about style and creativity. How does that affect you as a creative and as a business owner when you know that at least to some extent always in your journey there's going to be kind of this amount of replication?
0: It was very, very difficult to deal with. And sometimes it still is, especially because part of building a community, what we were saying about getting feedback from your community meant that some like fast fashion brands were bringing out items that we hadn't even launched yet. Yes. Wow. Colors of Gaia that we hadn't even launched yet that I had just teased on my stories because sometimes not wanting to overproduce. I will wear something just to see the reaction you yeah, get from it. I do it. the exact same. And sometimes I don't even say it's Kai. Um, but then I can't remember which product it was. But on launch day, our product had already been replicated somewhere else. And it's so disheartening. Like, it's it's very difficult to explain just how upsetting it is, but I'm sure you can imagine. But, um, yeah, it also it's very mentally tasking also because you're thinking okay this is an industry that is built off of replication as you said you start to realize that all trends start from somewhere all trends start from someone and so maybe this was just our own you know contribution to the industry and i think it's very very sad when the person who innovates doesn't get credit for it Mm -hmm. but to an extent we did get a lot of credit from gaia like And, uh, a lot of, you know, the, my brand success has been because of that. So we did get the recognition. And even when, you know, I started to push back and be like, you know, we, um, created this and, you know, take legal action that did, you know, let people know that we created it, but I have decided to switch my mindset to realizing that that's just how the industry is. And that's what the industry is built upon. And a lot of things that even we do are subconsciously inspired of by course. past trends. And like, you know, we're looking at heritage designers and everyone's archive. And it's kind of what the industry is is built on. So I would rather spend my energy, mental energy, physical energy on creating new moments, creating more beauty and just accept that it's part it comes with the industry and that doesn't make it any less painful sometimes especially when you know you don't get the credit but it really is
1: just what the industry is about i think that's incredibly mature i also think it's, it's spoken like a like a true genius because i also <laughs> feel like it's the industry deciding that you're someone to replicate rather than a replicator and i would say that there's nothing well, of course, there are things wrong with replication in the fashion industry. But if you think of the fashion industry as a whole, it's on a cycle. Like yeah. it is based on, as you say, this kind of this idea of heritage and this idea of repeating trends. And you would think of Y2K, like it's a whole era. There are going to be things that if you look through archives, you're going to be able to have something that will probably sell out now that people are like, wow. And you're like, this is from in Y2K. Like, you know, that's that's how the industry works. But I would say as part of that the industry has decided and the fact that you are replicated before you've even launched things sometimes shows to what extent the industry has decided that you're a trendsetter rather than a trend follower. And I think that is a huge testament to you as a creative. I was talking just this morning to one of our podcast guests um, before recording. I was kind of describing you because I was trying to say, you know, who I was interviewing. And the way I was essentially trying to say it was actually there are so few people within the fashion industry that set trends rather than follow trends or follow trends as well, but you know, who actually are able to set trends and are able to overturn the entire trend setting function of WGSN, which is where you know every single brand will be choosing their things for March 2023 based on what WGSN says. So that's how a trend's created because then all the brands have made essentially similar things. So then a color becomes a trend and all of that. And there are so few people who are able to turn that on its head Mm -hmm. and I think you had all the fast fashion brands in such a spin in like 2020 and 2021 and everything because they had done what they were meant to do and looked at WGSN and made their things for next year and all of that and something came along that blew it all out the water and I think that all I have to say about that and all that I'm sure people think is that that is all it shows is that you're big enough to overturn Billions of dollars worth of industry. So thank you. i like that as well. A- <laughs> thank you. But yeah, we never want to like just
0: have what everyone else has. Of course. Obviously, people want to buy into trends, but what keeps the brand fun? Like, I don't think I'm gonna find that on WGSN. Like no. the heart of Kai is not on any website, and that is just going to have to come from us. Our culture, the community that we've built, and even to, you know, the point about the validation that, you know, you get for, um, setting a trend or whatever. Like, I don't really get that from the industry. I'm not on Vogue. I'm not, you know, as a trendsetter. But when I think of the cult and the community and what makes Kai successful, I do get that validation from the cult and the community we've built. And that, to me, is way more gratifying, way more rewarding than, you know, being recognized by
1: the industry. Like, I'm in the industry, not of the industry. And I think that that is why Kai is so special. I completely agree. And I also think that in an industry that's set up so much on contacts and on legacy and, like, all of these things, it's so hard to break into so many areas of it that, actually, if you're just able to prove all of those things essentially that's that's all you need all of the other things are vanity stuff like which is great like you know they i get so excited when we're in like this that and the other but actually if you're able to prove with your community that this is what they want and they're coming to you because of X, Y, and Z, like that's the name of the game really. Recently, you publicly took a break from business as a company, which I absolutely loved. How did you come to this decision? Why why did you end up taking a break? I was just having a really, really difficult time mentally in different areas
0: of life. And I felt like I couldn't be the leader that I need to be. And I was in Bermuda with the Forbes under 30 crew and, um, Someone from our cohort who also has a fashion brand came up to me one evening. I was like, Oh, I spoke to the organizers. I told her that you and I are going to host a fashion show. So if you don't have your samples here, can you please get your samples sent, you know, to Bermuda? And I broke down in tears. Like I literally just started crying in the middle of the room because I couldn't think of anything worse than hosting a fashion show. I went to Bermuda to just be inspired by other entrepreneurs see how other people were working see you know what i was missing and why i was beginning to feel so bad about my work it was just burnout but i didn't really know at the time and when i broke down that way i called my friends i called my boyfriend i was like i can't do this anymore like i am losing my mind since 2020 it's just been go 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 i also you know I was doing this at the same time as my degree, which you did as, as well. So mm-hmm. it's not impossible, but I was tired. Oh no, it's impossible. Like, <laughs> I, I was tired from the depths of my soul. Like everything in me was so, so, so tired. And I felt like our quality was dropping in terms of customer interactions. I just didn't like the what the company that I was mm. building anymore. And it was either I just continued to let it run by itself because we it would have been okay. Yeah. You know, I don't think it would have gotten so bad that everything would have crashed, but it just wasn't authentic to what we set up Kai to be like me and my team. Like we have always wanted to run this company that quality is hundred in every way. Like we just wanted to be full of life and it wasn't, it wasn't that. And I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and be proud or like coming to Instagram and posting about new launches with the way I was feeling about the business. And so I just had to be honest about that. It was scary. I was really, really scared. I know we've built an incredible community. I know what we've done, but still you're just never sure if it's strong enough to still be there when you come back in, you know, two months, six weeks, whatever it was going to be, which we didn't set a deadline. I wasn't sure whether I'd still have this community, and I have staff to pay. This wasn't Nobody was laid off, nothing was paused, rents were still being paid, staff was still being paid, but it had to be done because otherwise I would have hated myself, hated the business and nothing would have worked.
1: I think that is so brave but also because because of course it's fucking terrifying. Like I can I can't imagine anything more terrifying and you you're going into the unknown but you're doing it with a really great mindset of kind of like this is who we are as a brand. We're not able to be that currently because of X, Y, and Z and therefore we're going to wait a second, like take a step back until we're able to do that again and I think that's so foreign in the world now like the whole idea of constantly working constantly hustling constantly going for the next thing constantly releasing like all of these things is completely glorified because we're on this like hamster wheel of like next thing next thing next thing and I think to be able to stop and essentially say I'm going to opt out of that at the moment and it's going to be for the better in the future is both incredibly brave but also I think incredibly smart and I mean I'm sure you'll see kind of the benefits of that over the coming months but how do you find that break kind of helped if it did i mean it was everything it was everything we needed it gave us the chance
0: to sit down on a round table and talk about everything that wasn't working who we needed to hire next you know, just be really honest with ourselves. Like, this is what people, you know, are dissatisfied with. How are we going to fix this? Like, everything from part of the reason why we took a break was that I was, there just too many things were slipping through the cracks. Like, you know, manufacturers who had always done a great job were not doing a great job. Just, things were not working we're not looking or feeling how they should in terms of some of the pieces and so we were like we need to get a quality control person in each country where we manufacture quality control company to come in and check every single garment which is ridiculous because usually you check a sample yeah you're not checking 300 pieces you know every single garment and we did a quality check and everything failed And so at that point I was like, look, we don't even, we can't launch these things anyway. So we might as well take a break. So like things like that, just being like, what do we need to change? You know, the website, every single thing. And so we were able to take a step back to figure out what we needed to change to continue building the brand of our dreams. Yeah. And then we were able to also just like rest because it's one thing to, you know, day to day you're worried about your brand and about things working. You know, you know that, you know, you have staff who are doing it and everything is kind of working as it should be. It's another thing to know that you're not in a position to do things as they should be. So I also had peace of mind from, you know, not being scared that everything was going to implode in one day.
1: And was there any point during that break that you kind of thought, actually maybe we won't go back? No, never. I saw some people say that online.
0: Um, that was never gonna happen because yes. it just wasn't, it wasn't what it was about. I can't imagine it yeah, happening, Yeah, it to so you. It wasn't what it was about. Like a lot of the time I felt incapable of running Kai for different reasons, but it has never occurred to me to be like, oh, let's shut this down, let's go home. No, it's not time yet. Like not at all. We're very, very far off from that, if ever. There's so much to achieve. There's so much to build. There's so much beauty to bring to life. Like we haven't even scratched the surface,
1: so. Mm. And what are your big goals with Kai? I'm still trying
0: to figure that out, you know, because just being honest with myself, and I know you've just, you know, had a funding round and stuff, and just being honest with myself about whether that's the path I want to go along. Like Mm -hmm. we've gotten interest from a few investors and even just the fact that if we, you know, had investors we wouldn't have been able to take the break. No, not at all. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out where I want the company to sit ultimately. Yeah. I know for sure that I'm not trying to build a Zara with Kai. Mm. So I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, the next big thing for us is a US expansion. Like Amazing. US babes love Kai. So much of our customer base is there and I want to be closer to them. So that's my next thing, but having, you know, what like, what is our North star? Where do we want to sit sit ultimately? What, What does like ultimate success look like to me with Kai? Honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out. Sometimes it makes me feel unserious. I think my dad, you know, wants me to build this like huge conglomerate. So I think he's quite, he thinks I'm missing an opportunity by not, you know, want having these huge sites and wanting to build this million dollar company.
1: But that's just not what I I see Kai as, and I'm still trying to figure it out. I think that actually knowing what you don't want is often more helpful than knowing what you do want in that way. So you know that you don't want it to be this, like, enormous company that's just chilling out designs and all of these things. And I think that that, I mean, from what I see with Kai, like, that's exactly right. Like, the essence of Kai seems to be creating beautiful things that last the test of time that are that have a story um, and that that make everyone, the people who wear them kind of feel amazing. And I think that with that, you know, actually just knowing, okay, I maybe don't know exactly what we do want. Like, I don't know what five years time looks like for Kai, but I do know that it doesn't look like this. And I think that a lot of the time we're kind of encouraged to have this really concrete view of what something looks like and to set these goals to make sure we're a hundred percent gonna get there. And actually, first of all, the path changes so much along the way and so many things kind of throw that out of whack. But also, I sometimes just think it's strong enough to know just exactly what you don't want. Mm. Before we go, I'd really like to know what your main piece of advice you'd give to the you who just missed their grades at university and was kind of deciding what to do and probably having a bit of a hard time mentally. What what advice would you give to yourself then? <laughs> I don't want to cry. Everything makes me cry, but... I would just have
0: told myself that there's so much more. There's so much more. I was so fixated on, you know, going to uni, getting three A's, going to uni, study law, that I felt like a failure at every point that there's what my my ideas didn't manifest. Yeah, there's just much more to life. It's Life is gonna be so much bigger and so different from what you've imagined. Like I didn't even have the tools to imagine that this is where I would be now. And I would just have said, "Don't worry." I've I've always been too worried in life. I still am, and so sometimes I say to myself, like, "With your journey, I still can't believe that you're so worried right (laughs) now because you've seen that every time it works out even better than you know you ever expected." So I would just say to myself that, like, life is going to be sweeter than the sweetest dream you you dream right now, and don't worry, like, just keep going. I feel like the beauty of my life has always come from my ideas and creating the best, most beautiful concept that I can at that point in time. So I would have focused my efforts on just creating, creating and dreaming rather than being like super sad and chasing all the, all of these things that weren't for me. I mean, I called Warwick like every single day crying, emailing like, please take me, please take me. And if they had, my life would look so different now. Like that was just not for me. So yeah, I'll just have told
1: myself to stop worrying and it was going to work out much better than I ever imagined. I love that so much. And I think that's a perfect place to end on. Thank you so much for coming and for sharing your story. You're very inspiring. (laughs) I feel feel so inspired. (laughs) Thank you for having me.